Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody out. We've discovered perhaps a way to get more people to come to church, and that's for church family members to have babies. <laughs> and then we will have more people come to witness those children growing up. So men and women of young age, bring us some more resources. It's good to see everybody uh, out uh, today. And this is the final of our series of sermons from your elders and uh, Tim and Daniel also were able to uh, give us their take on things. Obviously, uh, this is a, a new kind of era for us, maybe, but I'd just like to say this, our, our three-year journey of studying truths and traditions uh, has now come to an end. We have been studying this as elders, personally, sharing, and it's almost eerie. I know it's a God thing, but as Greg and David and I studied, and then we meet and talk, you know, sometimes at Bob Evans over breakfast, and we all come up with the same, we were coming up with exactly the same take on everything. And that's the spirit guiding us, I think. And there are many people in this congregation that have been studying the same things for a while, and I think more and more we're coming to the same conclusions. And the elders and many others have been looking at the church in the 21st century, because this is the century we're living in. We don't live in the past now. We're living in the 21st century. And we need to study, and we studied, and it reinforced a lot of our beliefs. It really did. It reinforced a lot of our beliefs, um, but also coming to some new conclusions. And uh, Greg uh, led us through a, a really honest look at the scriptures and church history uh, for four months. It was an intense study. He did a tremendous amount of preparation. He got us all to go deeper and deeper into God's word. We studied all kinds of different issues and different things. He made available to you the um, study guide from that, the notes that he used. Lester taught a class, the notes that he used. Daniel blogged on it. That blog is on. All those things are available for people. And if people have a problem and won't take that, then you don't get much sympathy from us. Because we gave you the resources and yet you still turned your head. I don't say that to be mean, I'm just saying it factual. It, it says throughout the scriptures for us to study. And it says to study to show yourself approved. This is not a corporate salvation we're into, you know that don't you? It's an individual salvation. Everybody's responsible for their own. And so as we laid this out, Greg did a great job. When he, when he spoke, I got a little nervous. Because as you well know, Greg's a state trooper. He kept slamming down this clicker. And I was so thankful he didn't have his service revolver up there. Because he'd make a point, slam it down, and I'm, I might go... But he was passionate about it, and his passion rubbed off on a lot of people, uh, I think. 
And uh, as, as you all well know, I'm not much on the technology stuff. Tim started giving me a whole bunch of electronic stuff. I said, what's that for? He said, well, when you move around, I said, I'm not moving around. <laughs> I said, I gave that up a long time ago. Um, then when Greg spoke, he had that microphone plugged into him and knocked it off of himself three or four times as he was swinging his arms around and cocking his gun. So I said, well, I better not do that. And it seems like poor old Saban gets to run the computer every time I'm the speaker. So we have a relationship. He knows that I have no skill at technology. I can't see well enough to pick up a clicker and say which end is up. So I said, Saban, you just follow along and you hit the slide when it's time. So that's our deal and it's always been our deal. We are one, me no technology, he with technology. Um, but as we study through this, the study challenged us to look very deeply at the Word of God. That was the greatest thing that came out of this. People did that. People looked at the Word of God deeply, not just skimming it, but really going from point A to point B. He led us through the Word as a whole and historically, culturally, contextually. We, we opened it all. There wasn't anything that wasn't opened up in class and a lot of great comments uh, really a lot of great comments and someone asked me how come I wasn't saying much and I, and I guess they took it that I was you know skeptical that wasn't it I was hearing the same things I would be saying so why repeat it I was hearing the things that I was learning um, and so all of this that was presented, it also managed to do one thing. It kind of rocked our world, didn't it? It rocked the world that we're used to. But that's the way study is. That's the way learning is. You learn about new stuff. And, you know, even though I was a social studies teacher teaching government and economics, the things that I learned in college certainly do not apply today to the government. The government pays no attention to uh, a lot of what I was taught. Things have changed. And the 21st century has ushered in a lot of good things and some things maybe not so good. But in the church sense, we have a new challenge. We have a new challenge in church in the 21st century. And this is, I cannot get this out of my mind. And it, it almost makes me cry. Um, it, it hurts. It hurts. And, and I've shared this in class more than once. Uh, a recent survey of non-church-going believers. Catch that? Non-church-going believers. Christians. They just don't go to church anymore. They were asked to describe the church in the 21st century. This is what they say. That it is a body of complainers, judgmental, selfish, divisive, racist, prejudiced, arrogant people. How's that make you feel? They don't make me feel too good. And we've done something wrong. We have done something wrong. And by we, I don't mean Mitchell Church of Christ. 
I'm talking about churches everywhere. All kinds of churches, all kinds of places. But when people are looking at churches and deciding that they're a bunch of racist, prejudiced complainers that judge and are arrogant and haughty and all that, no wonder churches are not growing. If that's the attitude. Now, I'm not saying that that is a correct attitude. I'm not saying that that's the way churches are. But I've also been in church long enough to witness some of those things happening. I've been an elder long enough, off and on, to know that complaining is one of the number one pastimes of Christians. Except they don't complain directly to the elders. They complain to everybody else and then it comes back to us somehow. And what we try to do is say, you can come and talk to us anytime. Bring your scriptures with you. We will bring ours. We'll discuss it and learn together. Um, Most people don't want to do that, but it's always available. We as your elders love you and we desire for you to come along with us in this journey into the 21st century deeper because we want this church to become a change in the community and just in the general um, idea about churches. We don't want our church to be described like that, do we? I don't see anybody that would want that to happen. Um, And I I don't know where it comes from. I I have no idea. You know, having grown up in churches my whole life, um, I did not grow up in the Church of Christ. I grew up in the Christian church where my dad was an elder. And my dad was kind of a Renaissance man. He took his boys to church when the mother did not go. He took us. And he became the Sunday school superintendent so we would go and learn. And then he became a deacon. Then he became an elder to teach us. Two of his three sons became elders. Uh, One became a deacon. But unfortunately, one of those has fallen away. The one that is the youngest. And uh, pray all the time that he comes back. You never know. All I know is this. We need church. Because we need each other. In this In this world, we need each other because we've got plenty of problems that need to be addressed. Why can't the church be the change to bring about the change, to make things better? Um, So this slide that's before you here, give peace a chance. If you're my age or thereabouts, you know this came from John Lennon and the Plastic Ono Band. Give peace a chance. I was going to use the... Words, the lyrics, I didn't realize that they didn't make any sense. (laughs) I read through there and I said, those aren't even real words. So, Give Peace a Chance is the title. This is the title of this lesson today. Give Peace a Chance. It's no more. We're not going to discuss about where we've been. This is about where we need to go as individual Christians in this body to make a difference. That's what we want to look at. And I think if you're, you're pretty smart, you know that peace has a lot to do with this, right? You've heard it all morning. And, and David's comments were wonderful. 
Uh, could have just used that for the sermon, and, and especially when Christ is the author of peace. He's the author, and we just talked about in class this, this morning, and we're studying in class after Greg's monumental, deep digging, study hard, pound at home study for four months. We are now studying the red letters of Jesus on Sunday morning, which is not deep. It's this smart. Follow Jesus. Do what he says. And that's what we've been looking at. The next slide that we're going to have here will display a passage that most of you are very familiar with. In Galatians 5, 22 through 24, it describes the fruit of the Spirit. And as you can see on there, you can read all of those. We talk about them all the time. Love. It all starts with that. We've, we've spent three weeks now in the, the Sunday morning class talking about loving your enemies, which is totally foreign to love for most of us. How, well, we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed, not supposed to love our enemies. And Jesus said, hate, it was written that hate your enemies, but I'm saying love your enemies. A new, that's a new thing, isn't it? New idea. And so love is the very first thing that we study here in this passage. And you see love, <coughs> joy. Love, joy, joy in church. Is that a novel idea? I commented this morning in, in class that if we don't think there's any joy in church, I don't know what you think heaven's going to be like. Because it's nothing but a big celebration and praising and worship of God. And it's all full of joy. And joy, it just kills me to look out in a church and see people that look like they'd like to shoot you <laughs> while you're trying to say something. Or that they don't like each other. And I think Noble, in one of his philosophies, many years ago said, if you can't get along with people at church, how are you going to get along with people in heaven? Remember saying that, no? Yeah. There are some good noblisms, you know, out there. <laughs> so these, these things, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What do we do? We take our magic marker out. I've got to take that self-control that's just the way I am. I'm out of control. I just mark that one off. I won't pay attention to that. Peace, uh, I don't know about that. Love, I love people that are nice. Joy, eh, you know, I, I'm not turned that way. All of a sudden, we start making excuses for everything. And there is no excuse for this because this is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is the life that we live. And we're supposed to plug all this in to our lives. And if we say no, then we are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. The Spirit teaches us and we say no to the Holy Spirit. That is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What kind of sin is that? The unpardonable sin. That didn't sound too good to me. You know, I may not be the smartest guy in the room, but when it says... There's an unpardonable sin that tells me don't do that. That's the one to really be careful. The fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit that's inside us mingled God, Jesus, us. 
all mingles together. And out of that comes these things that are listed in this passage. So this is a very familiar passage to you all. The next slide is actually the one I really like. And I want to read that along with you. I can't see it off the screen down there, so bear with me. We need a big screen up here or something. I don't know. We've got a big screen to watch Andy Mayberry, which is all right. Um, but I want to look at Colossians 3. We're going to read 10 through 15. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we're going to emphasize 14 and 15. Colossians 3 Beginning in verse 10, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. There's all kinds of meat in that. This is my one of my favorite passages. It's slowly becoming the most favorite. I like Romans 7, 14 and following about knowing to do good, but don't do it. I know the good to do, but I don't do it. I know what to say, but I don't say it. You know, it's us. It's a story of us, I think. Uh, but this one is hitting home because when I read this and with the study that we've just been through and I know that we hurt some feelings. I know some people had the history of their entire religion affected. But to try to sow division, set up barriers or whatever is wrong. This passage points that out. Because the first thing you won't do is forgive. And if you won't forgive, that's another one of those things that doesn't sound too good. Because it says that you won't be forgiven. And it says to forgive each other whatever faults you have. We all have faults. I've got a plethora of those. And I lecture myself all the time. But I get deaf about that. And so I let other things get in the way. But this passage, it says, above all, clothe yourselves. And then it goes into this litany of things that we see, that we are to be tender-hearted and merciful. If we, if we desire mercy, we have to give mercy. If we desire forgiveness, we have to give forgiveness. That's all part of the deal. It's not a one-way thing. It's, it's a two-way and even though the history of the church may be a certain way, I contend, and I believe this in all my heart, that people's history of the church started in the 1800s and not at Pentecost. 
that people follow what Stone and Campbell movement did and said our worship has to be like this. And let me ask you this, and I, you don't answer it, okay? But when you think of the teachings of Jesus, how much did he teach on church? Nothing. He taught about heart. He taught about heart. He didn't teach about worship procedures at all. That became something that man added. And we study through that very, very much. This passage speaks to those of us that maybe aren't on the same page. And it tells us to be nice to each other. To be nice to each other, to be kind to each other, forgive each other, get along. That's what it means, isn't it? Just get along. Um, and it's all wrapped around peace. Now the next slide, I'm pulling out, and it's, it's notice it's in big letters. That means when the teacher says it's in big letters like that, or keeps showing you the same thing, that's what you're supposed to remember. Okay? Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So there, that... That section kind of tells us what to focus on, doesn't it? It tells us to clothe ourselves with all these things previously. All those things we talked about also in Galatians 5. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. When you clothe yourselves, you put it on, don't you? You put it on, you wear it. Love is what we're supposed to wear. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. The peace that comes from Christ. Not anyone else or anything else. Not history, not the past, not the future. Christ. He is where the peace comes from. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. You're called to live in peace. It doesn't say that as one body we are called to yell at each other, complain, whatever. None of that's there. I'm sorry. It's not. You can't find it. It doesn't tell us to do that. It tell us, tells us to love and to be at peace with one another and always be thankful. Thankful for what? For Jesus. Thankful for hope that we have. Now's the time for us to move on to what we and many others perceive as exciting times ahead. This is what we believe. We believe that it is time to move on and embrace what's next. And we think it'll be great for Mitchell Church of Christ, but I want it to be great for the Lord's Church period. I don't care where it's at. Or what kind of church it is. I want people to have hope like we have hope. And you can only do that if we love others. 
if we're at peace with others, if we embrace these qualities that we just read about. These are exciting times if you want them, let them be. Or you can be all mealy mouth, you know. Those are the choices, aren't they? It's either yes or no. That's just all there is to it. There's no middle ground. It's either yes or no. And I believe that if we let peace rule in our hearts, in our lives, then we're more likely to live a spirit-led life. We'll let the spirit lead us. And my next slide that I have, (coughs) this is the word for MCOC. Remember a couple years ago, we were going to be bold and courageous. You all thought that was a wonderful idea. You see what happened. It led to a deep look at the words. But we were bold and courageous to get into it finally. Instead of just talking about it, we said we either got to do it, look at it, or not look at it. We looked at it. We were bold. In 2019, our word was joy. And I think we had a really joyful 2019. And I would like to say publicly that Tim has a lot to do with that. There's no man that I know any more joyful and energetic than this fella. Almost to the point... It hurts me to watch him sometimes. You know, I wonder, how can he still jump? Uh, (laughs) But his joy has rubbed off on a lot of people, I think. His enthusiasm. 2019 has been a year of growth for a lot of people. The class and the study that we had helped that along. But now in 2020... This is it, peace. And I would, I would like to ask you to commit yourself to being instruments of peace. Not the stuff that the, the non-church-going believers say about church. Not the complainers, not the divisive, not the, you know, all those bad things. We don't need that. I don't want to be called that. That hurts my feelings. Uh, for somebody to say that. You know, I'm really a sensitive fella. <laughs> but some people are smiling on that. My former students are all giggling. Um, but I am a sensitive fella because I don't want people to think badly about God's children. That's who we are. And if we're bringing that kind of deal to the game we gotta we gotta get rid of it so we have this opportunity to be at peace and peace simply means quietness tranquility you know when you're at peace you don't bang the drum loudly you teach in love you're kind you're compassionate you're merciful, you're forgiving, you're loving. <laughs> Didn't we just see all those in those passages? That's where it comes from, from peace. Colossians 3, 14 and 15, if, if you don't remember anything from today, this is what you need to remember. It teaches that peace comes from Christ and his rule in our hearts. We're united in Christ That's where the unity comes from. 
we are all believers united in one body. There's no difference. And if we look at the next slide, I think that lots of times what happens is that we let our opinions, perspective, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's, we, we try to think it's beliefs, but I think it's opinions about our beliefs. And it, it ends up being divisive in its nature because we're all different people. And there is a great quote that I gave Lester credit for it, but I found out that Gandhi said it. So I think Lester plagiarized it, I'm not sure. <laughs> but unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Unity means there's something that binds us all together. Okay, uniformity means there's room for differences of opinion. There's, there's room for that. But what unites us is the one thing that holds us together, and that's Christ. And Ephesians, this passage, Ephesians 4, that uh, Daniel used in, in our introduction, I'm going to use verses 4 through 6, or excuse me, 3 through 6. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, His over all and in all and living through all. That's the game right there. The game, pretty plainly, is that we are one body. We're all part of God's family in Christ. Everybody. It don't matter where you're at. You're a believer, baptized believer. You are part of God's family through Christ. There's one spirit. The Holy Spirit is what activates us. It activates us in our fellowship with God and with Christ. Listen to the spirit. We have one hope, and that is the glorious future of eternity. This all will pass away someday, but we will live forever. We will live forever. And that is what we all have to grab hold of. That's what we've got to do. There is one Lord. Christ is the Lord of our lives. I always debate this with myself. Sometimes it appears to be easier for us to let Christ be our Savior and not our Lord. Because for him to be our Lord, then he has to dictate where we're going. We follow him, right? I mean, when you let somebody lord over you, you follow them. I think it's, we say, oh boy, we love Jesus our Savior. Well, what about Jesus our Lord? Because he's taking us to where we're going. And we follow him. We have one faith. That's a singular commitment to Christ. That's what we zero in. Not to family, tradition, opinion, politics, none of that. We have one singular commitment. 
And that is to Christ. To glorify Him. To do His thing while He gives us time. Is what it comes down to. There's one baptism. The sign of the entry into the family of God through Christ. That's it. That's the only way. The only way into the family is through Christ, isn't it? Not through anything we do. We are sinners saved by grace. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And there's one God. God our Father who keeps us for all eternity. Won't that be wonderful? That makes all this seem like nothing for what's coming. In Mark 9.50, Jesus says we are to have the qualities of salt, be a good influence, and be at peace with each other. Be at peace with each other. That's Mark 9.50. Matthew 5.9 says God blesses those who work for peace. That is going to be MCOC in 2020. We are going to be at peace with each other, and we are going to work for peace. That's our role in 2020. The next slide I have, I had to throw these in. I always have to do this. Being a child, and I know this is hard to believe, but yes, I was a hippie. I wore bell-bottom pants. You guys know Mitch, who has the big curly long hair. Mine looked just like that, only dark. I had the mutton chop sideburns and a mustache that met it. I wore the army jacket, you know, proverbial, had rust on it. I always told people that was blood. Um, but I always go back to those days of the 60s. And one of my favorite songs from the 60s was a song called Get Together by the Young Bloods. This is the chorus of that song. And I will say when I sent it to Daniel, I sang that song for Two or three days, the course. It just kept coming out. <clears throat> and I didn't feel like singing either, but I, I did because I love it. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together and try to love one another right now. Is there anything wrong with that lyric? There's a lot of good stuff in there. Smile on your brother. And we've already discussed everyone is our brother. Everybody get together. Let's get on the same page. And try to love one another. Try. That's work, isn't it? It's like working at peace, work at love, too. And love one another right now and always. My last quote, I had to get it in. The next slide. John Lennon is one of my heroes. He said this in 1965, and we could adapt it to today. But he said, if everyone demanded peace instead of a, another television set, then there would be peace. Now, what we could say, if everyone demanded peace instead of another new cell phone, there would be peace. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this chance that we've had to come together to worship you, and we pray that we have done so that People's hearts have been touched to look deeper into your word. We pray that each one of us will have the desire to study more and more, to learn more about your way, to learn how we should live in life, and help us, Father, to put away any differences, that we put away anything that might discourage others, 
And I pray, Father, that we will just open our hearts and our minds to your peace that we have in Christ Jesus. And let that really rule our lives. Let that be the thing that guides us. And may peace rule this congregation from this point on. And may we just live for you, looking forward to how you use us. And use us here and everywhere we go to glorify God as we live our lives out. Thank you, Father, for the chance of coming to Jesus. And if anyone desires to do that, we pray that they will come right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.